from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. I have a quick question for you. We are rolling into February. It's Black History Month, and I'm excited about that. But I have a question, and that is, what are the rules around how long you can say Happy New Year? Um, <laughs> is there any protocols here? Can you, I mean, is it, is it February? Is, that, is, that, is it over there? You know, that's a, that's a Larry David skit. And he <laughs> has an answer to that question. I forget uh-huh. what it is. It's something like 11 days or eight ah, days. Ah, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, you know, belated Happy New Year, of course, to you. And uh, yeah, I'm excited because, you know, Black History Month is an opportunity to celebrate all kinds of very important aspects with respect to diversity and other kinds of important things, and especially businesses whom are trying to make those connections and celebrate along with the community and others. And so it's exciting to look at from a marketing perspective, you know, how does this play out in the world of a customer experience services, brands, products, and all of those kinds of things. What have you got for us today, Barbara? Yeah, so we have an expert with us today to discuss some of this, and we're really excited to introduce Sonia Thompson, who is an inclusive marketing strategist. So Sonia, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. So explain to us what an inclusive marketing strategist means. (laughs) Basically, I help brands um, build product services and experiences that make a broader base of uh, consumers feel like they belong. A lot of brands default to more of the most privileged identities. So they are leaving a lot of people out. Um, So whenever we look at um, their strategies from an inclusive standpoint, they are able to reach a broader range of people who have differences, so to speak, in some way, shape or form. So I read a little bit in your background, but I want obviously, you know more about your own background, but um, that you were at J&J. I was. So did you do this at J&J or? um... I did not. Um, I was in marketing at J&J and I spent some time um, both um, in domestic from the U.S. and globally. And even though I didn't focus on inclusive marketing then, I did get a taste of what that was like in particular whenever I worked on some launches with some international distributors. Um, They weren't the lead market and they often felt like stepchildren or forgotten about. Um, So it's the same thing, whether it's um, whatever type of difference that you have, whenever you fall outside of what's considered mainstream, uh, you often get signals that you don't belong here. And that doesn't lead to the best experience and often leads to people leaving and going off in search of a place that does make them feel like they belong. That's interesting. Americans and I were just speaking. We were having lunch together and we were talking about using too many American brands in our classroom, you know, and that if we let the students talk, they bring in their own experiences and we learn from them. And it does make the discussion much richer. Absolutely. So when did you, I mean, so when did you leave J&J to go into doing this consulting thing? I mean, how, how did that come about that you started looking at that? I mean, and how do you get an expertise in that so that you're broader looking like I, sure. it's easy. I would imagine it's easy to feel like 
wait, they're not talking about me, so I'm excluded. <laughs> but then how do you know like if it's broad or not. Right. Well, broad uh, so I left J&J, this summer will be 10 years ago. Um, and I left to start my business focused on um, customer experience and customer delight. Uh, I am somebody who has a lot of differences. I'm a black woman. I follow a gluten-free diet for health reasons. I'm left-handed um, for a couple of years. I lived outside the country right now. Um, my, my husband is Argentine. So we have a bilingual family. We have a mixed race bilingual daughter and I've got a lot of differences. So I started noticing um, how often I felt out, left out, how often I didn't see myself or the people who were in my circle represented. And the more I started to pay attention, I connected the dots from my experience working at J&J &J and saw that that was much more common. The more I started working with other clients, particularly on customer experience projects, we started to realize they were having challenges reaching um, consumers who fall outside the lines of what's considered mainstream. So I just started to connect the dots there. And the more I started talking about it, the more I started seeing how much um, people needed this. They needed to hear people talking about um, what inclusive marketing looks like um, and that this wasn't necessarily something that brand teams, their agencies, or even senior leaders, they didn't necessarily have it on their radar, but they also didn't understand why they were having so much trouble um, engaging, retaining, um, whether it's Black, Latino um, consumers, older consumers. Now you're starting to see more and more, this is people who are larger sizes. It runs the gamut. The differences don't matter. It's just that we know that a lot of brands have a challenge focusing on marketing to the masses, but the masses is quickly changing. So let me just say one thing. I'm sure America's has tons to say on this too, but let me just make one point and see what you think about it, which is, so what you're saying was kind of my own experience. I notice it when I'm left out in particular. Mm -hmm. um, and then I become very aware that, hey, they're not talking to me. And I do notice it, by the way, a lot. I'm left-handed too, and I know it's a right-handed world because yeah. you'd be surprised how many products are made for the right hand. And I'm sure people don't notice that. Hmm. But then one would suggest, and I've heard a lot of conversation on this, that one of the solutions to this is to make sure you hire a diverse workforce and that you have a diverse management team, especially in marketing, because if you don't have diversity on your team, then you're not going to naturally see where things are left out. So that's one fix. But I'm sure if you're consulting on this, that's a harder fix to do. So there must be other ways. Uh, I, I doubt you don't support a diverse workforce. I'm sure you do support absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but it's kind of hard to always do that. You can't always find the experts um, to do that. So are there other ways to make sure that you are open-minded? Yeah, I, I, it really often starts with your buyer personas or your customer avatars or whatever it is that you call them. As a lot of brands make decisions based upon how they're going to execute their marketing campaigns based upon that. But as I mentioned before, most of these personas are based upon the most privileged identity. So for instance, um, I used to have a lot of problems with scissors growing up. I imagine the marketers, the engineers, everybody involved with it had defined, oh, these are scissors and they left it broad and general, but they didn't think about the 
people are left-handed, people are right-handed, and the needs are different in how you design the scissors. So if you don't get very specific in identifying who your market is, who your customer is, and all the different ways in which they're different, then you're not going to be able to develop product services and experiences that meet the unique needs of those different people. So if you say, for instance, we serve women, but does that include Black women? Does that include Muslim women? Does that include women who have some form of disability? Whenever you start going down the line and being very specific about who your definition includes and excludes, then you can build, a, you know, plans that are more inclusive. So let me, let's start with, this is our hit and miss section. So I have one quick hit and miss that I'm really interested in your um, reaction to, and then we'll listen to some of your examples, which I know you brought some, but sure. there's, it's a little bit interesting, which is this one that um, Unilever has done. So Unilever <laughs> has a big history of reaching out to diversity. They famously have the Dove campaign where they've been much more inclusive on women and women's shapes and sizes. Sometimes they did some missteps like when they made the shampoo bottles and people's shape, we won't even go into that. That was not a good one, but but most of them are pretty decent. Um, and now they came out for, and, and I want you to talk more broadly about like whether it's a hit or a miss to address, you know, Black History Month, you know, sure. is that good or bad? Sure. I assume like that is good. I But they came out with this one, uh, Dub did on um, hair discrimination okay. um, for this and talking about, you know, what hair, what hair means, you know, and, and, and trying to identify that uh, a la the way they've done it in the past with women in general. Now they're looking at, you know, I guess uh, if hair is too extreme, too distracting, too attention getting, you know, that kind of notion. And along the lines of this, this uh, it's a bigger question. So I'm going to throw it all at you and then you can. Okay. Re okay. Um, Unilever has recently in the last month, this is not just black history, month, but it is um, in general, they have started to take off the word normal yes. from 200 of their bottles. Like I was shocked mm -hmm. that normal was on 200. And you can, I'm sure you can adjust this, address this um, from an expert point of view, but it's pretty obvious to me why normal is a loaded word. Right. Um, and so all of Unilever going after this, I'm curious to see what your reaction to it is. And then just to make it even more relevant, the finance <laughs> people have been pushing against Unilever recently because it's not driving bottom line profitability. Mm -hmm. They think that Unilever's attention on all of this diversity stuff is making them stray away from what businesses should be doing, which is making money. So that's a lot of stuff to throw at you, <laughs> but um, you have- Yeah, I do, I do. So Unilever recognized the power of words and these were primarily on their beauty and personal care products. So they did a study of like 10,000 people all around the world and they found out that using the word normal if you needed products that weren't normal, it impacted the way you felt about yourself and not in a negative way. So Unilever is working on this campaign as part of their effort to take more responsibility from a beauty and personal care standpoint and change the narrative of what 
beauty is and what the standard of beauty is. So part of inclusive marketing is the words that you use. So if you're using a word that such as normal, anybody who doesn't fall in that category with their products is going to feel excluded. And you have to think about it beyond just whether or not they're buying the impacts of that feeling like I don't belong, I'm not normal, um, how that impacts their psyche on a number of different fronts. So while that may not have direct impact on the bottom line, I'm sure it costs a lot to change all the packaging, to change all of the, the promotion and the campaigns to remove that word. They're looking at more of a long-term play on the impact and the social responsibility that brands have on how they make other, how they influence how other people feel about themselves. Yeah, so, I think what's also, sorry, to, to jump in here, uh, Barbara, I think what's also interesting in that case, I want to get your feedback on this as well, Sonia, and it's the idea that, you know, it's really, if you're trying to be more inclusive in what you're doing with respect to the broad spectrum of who you are as a brand, it's really hard to do that. Well, let me say it in a different way. It's really easy to mess that up, right? Because you can think about a spectrum of, uh, a kind of uh, basically an authenticity spectrum where on one end, you know, you might be seen as just pandering. Oh, well, you know what? It's Black History Month and let's put some some black folks in an ad or ha have some kind of communication around that versus something that is much, much more carefully, almost sociologically understood and, and, and executed upon, you know. So I'm wondering what are thoughts on, you know, if you're going to do this. You know, making sure that you're you're not just doing it for the sake of a gimmick, or that, or at least you're not perceived that way, uh, compared to a situation where you know there is you can communicate a really deeper sense of of credibility around attempting to be more inclusive. Because at the end of the day, being more inclusive means that you are you are communicating something more about your brand, right? So right. there are core users who are there, and perhaps new users, but you know, at, the, at, the, at a certain level, you can't be everything to everybody. So you have to pick and choose. What are your thoughts on this authenticity dimension and how this plays into the strategy of how to do inclusion and diversity in, in the smart way? I think Unilever is taking a stand on inclusion on a number of fronts, um, and it's both internal and external. So this move about removing the word normal is in keeping. So Unilever is a company who also recently in achieved gender parity in their workforce. Um, so this is something that is part of their values, right? And so the values isn't just what you do from a marketing standpoint, it's throughout your whole organization. So this is keeping in what it is that they are doing, what they've been doing, what they stand for. If you mentioned the Dove campaign earlier, um, I believe they had the campaign for real beauty. They've been working for a while to change the narrative about beauty. This is just a next step forward, continuing along that front. So it feels authentic because this is not a major departure and it's not something that is just kind of, wait, wait, this is coming out of nowhere. It's not something that they're doing that feels politically correct. It really feels like how part of who they are. And that's one of the things like, so I heard you mention um, 
the campaign talking about hair discrimination, that takes a lot of cultural intelligence to be able to have that conversation and have it the right way. That shows that they've been paying attention to women, particularly probably women of color, I imagine, who hear these types of things on a regular basis in a professional setting, but they have to be listening to them and engage with them to know that that's an issue to even start talking about that in a campaign. And one other thing on this, um, because we mentioned Black History Month, Unilever talking about these types of topics and issues and going here, it makes it a natural, easy extension for them to celebrate Black History Month in some way because this is part of their overall ecosystem. It's not, it's who they are. A lot of times brands make have hiccups and people don't really believe what they're doing from celebrating Black History Month because that's the only time that they try to engage the Black community. Right. So that instance. would definitely be in a, inauthentic. Let Absolutely. me ask you, because we're almost running out of time and then we got, it's so exciting to have an expert. Can you give us a hit and or a miss that you think, like, can you pick out campaigns that you think really personify Black History Month? I think Target does a good job consistently every year. They work internally with the people who are part of their employee resource groups. They help them curate um, wonderful lists of products from black owned businesses. And they go all out um, within their stores, within the displays. I consistently receive messages from people who are so excited about the Black History Month um, campaign and um, the display that they have at Target. Um, and then another example, I guess, of a brand who is not one specific brand. It's those brands that are probably scrambling right now to figure out how to celebrate Black History Month because they realized yesterday that it was here <laughs> and they needed to do something. And then it, it rushed and hurried campaigns generally don't go so well. Yeah, I could imagine that's not a good way to do it. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today and bringing up such interesting points. Where can our listener go to keep up with you and all the work that you're doing? Uh, on social, you can find me at Sonia E. Thompson. That's generally my handle everywhere. And then if you want to go to my website, it's inclusivemarketing.co. Good branding. We're <laughs> going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the Super Bowl and Black History Month with marketing executives from Groupon and Target. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM, 